Hey guys, this is Sophia Fields, and you're listening to my podcast, The Elixir, art during unprecedented times. In this episode, I will be having a conversation with Sarah Conti, a ceramic artist and environmental activist currently living in Missoula, Montana. Sarah's work often depicts powerful imagery of birds, which she is able to study closely through bird watching, one of her favorite activities. Through her ceramic creations, Sarah explores the relationship between humans and nature and environmental degradation. She is also the co-founder and gallery director of Wildfire Studios. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much for watching. Okay, so just to start, um, I just want to say like why I'm doing this podcast and like I think I think podcasting is a really good way to like tell stories and I'm really into having like new conversations with people um, and then like through my mom I've heard a lot about like artists from around the country and it's just like really interesting I think and I just I just like having conversations with people and I really like art and I think it's important so um, I started a podcast and Wonderful. yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. I really, really like your work a Thank lot. Um, but yeah, I guess to start off, if you could just uh, talk a little bit about your relationship to art and how that started um, and just like introduce yourself, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Sarah Conti. Um, I have always been interested in art and um, when I was in undergrad was when I really was exposed to um, 3D art and before that um, I think there just isn't much access to doing um, more than two-dimensional work and so um, I really fell in love with the tactile nature of clay um, I've always been very interested in humans' relationship with nature, and um, I explore that in my practice. And I think that clay, as a material that comes from the earth, is um, a very fitting way to explore our relationship with it. Um, as well as a lot of my work talks about, um, yeah, the negative impacts and extraction and there is, um, yeah, kind of that thing that I wrestle with where clay is being extracted from the earth. So I, that, that's definitely something that I think mm -hmm. about a lot in my practice, um, as well as, um, yeah, just how the negative impacts we can have, but also trying to, in some ways, um, find hope within um, our relationship as well. And I've been starting to connect um, environmental impacts to uh, social issues that um, we are facing currently um, in the world and also. That's awesome. But I think like, especially with environmental issues, there's kind of this like communication gap where like people don't wanna take responsibility for the environment. And then they also like, don't wanna believe that the environment is changing. So do you think that art has a role to play in convincing people to like care about these issues um, and like want to know more? 
Yeah, um, I definitely think it does. I think the biggest thing that I struggle with my work is um, when I, you know, I have people reach out saying how they really um, appreciate my work and feel connected to it. Um, but I feel definitely like I'm kind of like shouting into, like I'm preaching to the choir. Like I, I, I don't really know how to get people who disagree with me to, um, to consume my work in the way that I am intending. So that is probably the thing that I struggle with the most is mm -hmm. it's wonderful to hear that people understand and relate to my work. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I'm not like convincing them of it. So I think that there is some of it where I focus on very, a lot of my work focuses on like very specific scientific events going on mm -hmm. and yeah, bringing in more recently um, social issues as well. So I think that I am trying to just be okay with informing people about those specific events a little bit more in depth yeah. um, because I don't know how to really change people's minds who strongly disagree with me. That makes sense. Yeah, I think like your work is really powerful and my I was talking to my grandmother about it because I think she came to see you guys at Township 10. Yeah. She's a bird watcher and so she was yeah. saying how it was pretty intense to see like the work that you were doing with like these dead birds and then like living birds um and I I was also looking at your Instagram and I noticed a theme of birds and I was wondering like what made you choose to use birds as like this mode of communication yeah I um I've always been interested in birds my family are uh bird watchers and um so it's always something that I have found great beauty in I love watching birds I think they're so fascinating um, and I think that there's just so many poetic parallels between birds and humans. Um, they're the only other species that is found in like all corners of the earth and birds do that through their amazing diversity um, through evolutionary mm -hmm. um, changes. And then humans do that through um, the way that we have made technologies to be able to survive in these different um, areas. And a lot of that is often at the detriment to um, the natural world. And um, birds are also, they are just so much more sensitive to the climate changes that have already taken place. And so we're seeing that in lots of studies about how many millions of birds we've lost in the past few decades. And it, they're just kind of harbingers for what is to come for humans. Um, because they're just so much more sensitive to these changes. Um, a few degrees might not seem like a much, like a very big difference to us, but they're definitely feeling that change. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely kind of something that is warning of our future. Is that kind of where the dinner plates come from? Like the birds on the dinner plates? Um, that piece is, um, there's kind of a lot going into that piece. So that is definitely part of it. Um, it's also referencing um, Judy Chicago's piece, The Dinner Party, which um, is a really large installation that um, she did in the 60s that is all about like uh, feminism and, sorry, my dog is scratching. Um, um, that is all about feminism and um, celebrating the beauty of the women and the uh, female experience. Um, 
And so I chose the specific birds that I did for that because they're some of the few native birds that um, have opposite sexual dimorphism where the females are larger and more colorful than the males. Um, so I wanted it to be, yeah, like a celebration of womanhood. Also, um, one of the species in that is named after a, um, a white guy that just like definitely was not the first person to see that bird, but it's called a Wilson's phalanthrope after just some white dude not related to like the indigenous people who like co-inhabited with it or anything like that. So, um, and then also referencing um, Audubon, the naturalist, mm -hmm. again is like hailed for all his wonderful contributions to us understanding birds, but um, it's not like he was discovering that many new birds. It's just because mm -hmm. we didn't care about the native people um, and weren't interested in listening to their experiences. And also he, um, all the birds that he painted, he killed and ate them and then posed them in taxidermy and then painted that. Okay. So it's just a lot of weird, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of things that I was thinking about while making that piece um so yes and um yeah and then also just the way that we're wiping out birds um but yeah there's a there's a lot of um weird content kind of smashed yeah. into that piece the idea like the thing about naming birds is really interesting right now because I'm reading braiding sweet grass have yeah. and like I'm at the part where she is like going to school and majoring in ecology or biology and like she had all these names, like these indigenous names for all these plants and animals. And then she's like learning their like scientific names. And it's just like this interesting, like, like renaming something that you already had a name for. It's just like, and especially how like most of the names we have for things are based off of like Western like names who probably weren't the first person to find them. So absolutely I think really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's such a phenomenal book. And yeah, I, I love when she's talking about that because yeah, it, it's just, it's so arbitrary. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're not interested in learning from the people who first um, developed like a healthy and sustainable relationship with the world who mm -hmm. natively lived here. We just wanna make it our own, yeah. Um, and another question I had was, do you tend to separate your personal life and your art? Or do you tend to like get, do you tend to have experiences and then like translate those into your art? Definitely. Yeah. So most, um, there are very few birds that I've sculpted that I haven't seen in person myself. Um, a lot of uh, my inspiration starts from being out in the field. Um, I'm a big backpacker and I love bird watching. Um, there's a wildlife refuge that is close to where I live here in Missoula that is phenomenal. So a lot of my inspiration definitely starts from getting to see these birds in their natural environment. Um, and then I do, yeah, I do a lot of ecological reading um, and research and yeah, it's a lot of um, heavy and depressing things a lot of the time. So a lot of me kind of working through that and trying to make sense of it is um, in my making process. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely times when um, I feel a little uh, less connected to my work. And I think sometimes it's like a way of preservation. I think when I was at OCAC, I, um, 
I wasn't working and I was just in school full time and it was mm -hmm. wonderful, but it was also really hard and really heavy at times because mm -hmm. I was just kind of like living and breathing this research that I was turning into work. And there's just a lot to be, um, yeah, kind of depressed about. So um, yeah, I, I try and strike a better balance with having experiences out in nature as well as reading about it because the experiences out in nature are often much more joyful. That makes sense. So like what is your process once you like see a bird and you decide that you want to make something out of it? Um, what, what, what is your process from there? Um, yeah, doing a lot of research often. Um, I know I just talked said mean things about Audubon, but the Audubon organization is wonderful and incredible. And I do a lot of research on their website. Um, so right now I'm actually working on a big installation that is basically on their website. You can see um, how they have like a projected, um, like how, how birds uh, ranges are going to change when the temperature is increasing by like a few degrees. Um, and so that is something that I'm kind of working with right now. And I'm seeing how um, all the native birds that I love to see, like reaching, uh, like seeing how their range is going to be changing through um, the climate change uh, temperature increase that we're going to be experiencing. So that is definitely a big place that I start. And then, um, yeah, just kind of reflecting on my experiences and spending a lot of time making and then um, remaking and um, figuring out what I'm trying to say in specific pieces. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of time in the studio kind of trying to figure out what I'm trying to say with that work. And as I'm bringing in more social issues, doing a lot more reading mm -hmm. about, um, yeah, different, um, yeah, issues revol revolving around, um, yeah, equal rights for mm -hmm. everyone, for people of color, for women, for LGBTQ plus communities. So that's definitely something that I'm starting to bring in more um, with my work, because I think that there are parallels to um, the way that we're like treating the natural world as well. Mm -hmm. So it seems like a kind of essential part of your process is like being outside and being like connected to nature. During the pandemic, I feel like for me at the very start, I didn't really leave my house that much, but then like in the like second, like six months, I started like getting outside more. But what was the pandemic like for you? Did it like help you to be more connected or did you kind of feel like stuck at home? Um, I definitely was able to, they, it was, it was complicated because I, so I work at a plant nursery, so that's a really nice way to be able to like be outside all the time. And, um, my work didn't close down because we sell crops as like a way for people to grow their own food. So, but my studio, I was doing a post back at University of Montana here in Missoula and the university closed down. So I lost my studio space. So that was really tough um but then it was right peak birding season in march and april so then i um i just was birding like three days a week which was wonderful so it was definitely tough to not have a creative outlet but um but it was really really fantastic to be able to have 
um, the time in the right time of year to be um, to be out in nature and to be kind of like storing up all of these experiences that I then could later translate into my work. So I'm so curious, like what, so birding, you like wake up pretty early and then you like bring, do you bring a camera with you or like a sketchbook? Or do um, like I usually, so I have binoculars and um, camera and then, yeah, I usually bring a little field guide notebook kind of thing so I can make notes and write about what I've seen. And yeah, sometimes I do some sketching as well. I don't draw as much as I should, so I can definitely tell that my, my uh, 2D drawing is like decreased in, um, in its accuracy. But, um, but yeah, I usually, um, yeah, there's this place called Nine Pipes that's close to here. It's the National Wildlife Refuge. And yeah, it's, it's like cheating birding. There's just, it's so amazing how many birds are stopping over on their way during migration in, spall, uh, in spring and fall. And um, yeah, it's, there I've saw I've seen so many birds that I've never seen before in my life there so it's a beautiful location tons and tons of birds and um yeah I go usually at dawn or dusk time um when they're more most active and on overcast days is really nice but yeah it's uh you can't go wrong really and I live right along the river here in Missoula so even just you know, out my windows, I see really great birds all the time. And I love living in a city the size of Missoula because there's just, yeah, birds everywhere. And um, it's pretty, pretty incredible to just get to see like really cool sightings just while I'm around town. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, so in Missoula, do you have a studio or what are you yeah. working so, um, so then in the middle of the pandemic, there was a group of us that were all ceramicists, um, most of us who um, had either just graduated or um, were kind of cut short from graduating, I guess, but still like got to finish out um, during, because of the pandemic. So I was there doing a post back and then there was four other uh, four other of us that um, we all came together and we just opened our own studio. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we have a studio in town called Wildfire Ceramic Studio. And we just have a industrial building that we rent out and we all, you know, pay our share in rent and we have a few kilns and we have what is usually used. It used to be um, like a auto window tinting business so there's like a little office that we kind of tore all the carpet out and repainted and everything and so we have a little in-house gallery um so yeah it's really been such a dream i really love it um but yeah it was really incredible to um go through the experience of yeah losing my studio space feeling like who knows when the pandemic is going to end um being in a community studio is uh tough when you're not allowed to be around people so there's another ceramic studio in town that pretty much had to shut down um but since we're a private studio there's just five of us and you know we all just wore masks and often weren't in there at the same time as each other um so was, i felt so fortunate to be with such a wonderful group of fellow ceramicists that were so passionate about starting a place for each other and for the community um, that we could all continue working through the pandemic. So that was a really big blessing. Yeah, I really like the idea of like a communal like studio space. Did you find like, did you have any collaborations or did you guys kind of like do your own thing? 
and like it coexists. Yeah, we all kind of do our own thing, but we're all friends. So I have had, um, you know, and I was studio mates with several of them at the university before that. And I've had so many wonderful like breakthrough aha moments while talking with one another. We all make vastly different work. There's a few of us that are sculptors and a few of us that are potters. And um, so yeah, there's not tons of overlap in um, what we're thinking about conceptually for like the five founders of, um, but, but yeah, there, it's just, yeah, I love being in a communal space for the um, community and the ideas and um, yeah, there's just so many, so much wonderfulness that is born in the ceramics community because often you need to work in a communal space. Did you find at Township 10 that it was also kind of collaborative or was it like people kind of stayed in their separate like cottages and like did their own work? Yeah, it was very collaborative. I felt while we were there because, um, yeah, I was there with Anna, who is another post back with me at OCAC with Marjorie. Um, and yeah, so we knew each other very well and our work manifests very differently but we're thinking about similar things in our work um and yeah it was such a wonderful space to be and just getting to I've never worked in a space like that I mean usually ceramic studios are like in an industrial space or in a basement yeah. or something like that so it was so incredible to just be out in nature in such an incredibly beautiful area um, and be able to walk outside and again mm -hmm. have incredible bird sightings right there. I had kept a log of like all the birds that I saw while I was there and since I am not from the east coast I got to see a lot of birds that I'd never seen before which was really cool and yeah it was it was such an incredible experience and I think that we all spent so much time together talking about our work and our process that we definitely um, strongly influenced each other and what we yeah. made while we were there. That's awesome. This is just, this isn't even a question, but I, like one thing I really like birds is just that they, they like, they transcend si science kind of. Um, like I remember reading about this flock of birds. I don't I remember the species, but they like make these huge migrations and like scientists have figured out that they like physically don't have the energy to do it like they they should not be able to make the migration but they're kind of but they're they still make it somehow and I think that idea is like super like interesting and beautiful that like it's just like a mystery like we don't know but they just like do it yeah like, yeah it's incredible when you see like these teeny tiny little warblers that are like smaller than your hand that travel thousands of miles every year and just know where they're going precisely. It's, yeah, it, they're so magical. They're really incredible creatures that, yeah, I definitely transcend like our understanding of how we think about the world from like a very scientific point of view. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this was a really good interview. I'm really excited about this. Oh, I'm so glad. It was so good to talk to you. episode of the elixir art during unprecedented times in the next episode of the elixir i will be speaking with chris suarez whose mixed media work explores ideas of home family and culture make sure to tune in thank you